Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome. It's great to have you all here. Thank you for coming. Uh, excited about tonight, and I hope you will be able to join us tomorrow. Um, let me just go all the way to Tuesday night. Um, Tuesday night is graduation. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can clap for Chris Berry being here. Yes. <laughs> Wow, I got to start there. That's great to see you. So, um, Tuesday night graduation. Do any of you still have your graduation robe? From, did any of you graduate from anything? Like, uh, you know, it's alpha. You can bring your, borrow one, rent one, whatever. Just come and enjoy commencement. Uh, it'll be a great night together. Some special uh, awards given. Um, so uh, we do have an award for the Summa Come Always uh, recipient. So um, <laughs> you're not listening to me. Uh, so, uh, so that will be good. I'm excited about that. So, uh, and then remember, Beta will start the following Tuesday, a study in the Gospel of Mark, and really want to encourage you to be a part of that wonderful time together. Pastor Ronald will be teaching some of that, as will I and a couple other folks. So, and that will be uh, dinner as well. So it's going to look similar to this, maybe more people, probably fewer people, but uh, it will be wonderful. Um, tomorrow, <clears throat> excuse me, tomorrow morning we'll start at 8.30. Breakfast will be served at 8.30. And one of the things we really want to do, because it's going to be a packed morning, uh, is uh, the first thing we'll do after you grab your breakfast is we will go into um, this, this teaching on the prodigal son. Uh, and that is, if you just turn to page, uh, I can't read it, nine, is it? Uh, just real quickly, I think I gave you guys a head start, a heads up on this Tuesday night. What page? I can't. Nine. Number nine. Um, so if you can just, uh, tonight, just read through that. If you haven't done so, read through it a couple of times. Pray a little bit through this. And then take some time just to answer those questions. If you need more space, you, get, you can see you've got notes on the other side there. And on the back page as well. So please, this is going to be the first thing we do. Now if you just pass out tonight and don't get it done, please don't let that <laughs> you know, hindered you from being here tomorrow. I mean, breakfast is worth coming tomorrow for no other reason. Um, so this is a fabulous, one of my, next to Peter's teaching, this is my, I have to say that, this is my favorite part of, uh, of Saturday morning. So, um, so Tuesday, beta, tomorrow morning, I think that's all I needed to tell you. So what we're going to do uh, before Pastor Peter comes and uh, talks about what the Holy Spirit does, uh, Pastor Ronald's going to lead us in a couple of songs. He has done that for us a few, a few weeks. And it's just a great way for us to start the weekend and just really open our hearts to God. I don't know what your day was like. I mean, typically some of us just come tumbling into, into this room after a, a rigorous day. So, but let us do this. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit just to, to work us over, you know, just to allow him to, to have his way in us. Just welcome him to do that. Just kind of release control to him. And I think, and again, for any of us who have experienced the power of God's Spirit, you know of the joy of experiencing him in control and him working in our lives. So I'm just going to pray real quickly and then give it over to Ronald, and then Pastor Peter will come up right after 
that because I know he doesn't want me to introduce him. So, Father, thank you for what you have done in all of our lives over these nine plus weeks now that we have been together. We know you've been doing stuff well before the nine weeks, but Lord, in many of our lives, you've made things much more clear and you're making them even clearer. And we are so thankful for that, that we are hearing you calling us in a wonderful way. We're hearing the, the voice and the sound of your love. We're hearing, Lord, uh, even a heartbeat, as it were, your amazing grace and love for us. So, Lord, is, we're here. Lord, we're here. And so, Lord, since we're here, we want to be here. <laughs> we want to be where we are, and we want to receive from you. And so we welcome you. We ask you. We, we beg you, Lord, to be in our midst that we, every one of us, Lord, will experience how deep your love is for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nation? Shines with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. 
is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your I sing for all that you've done for me. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful. Light of the world. Light of the world, you stepped down into darkness, opened my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me, King of all days. all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became full. So here I am to worship here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Let's sing that one last time, here I am to worship. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Let's bow together and pray.
Father, that is our hope indeed, that we would know you through your spirit, that you would come and open hearts to the revelation of Christ, Lord, that we would see your handiwork even tonight. Be with us, O Lord. Reveal yourself to us tonight, I pray. In Christ's name. my notes oh. <laughs> ah now it's on just want to make sure you could hear me well good evening everyone it's a pleasure to be here tonight with you And it's more of a pleasure to have you here with us. My name is Peter Davidson, otherwise known as Old Man Davidson. I've been on the pastoral staff since July of 90. The elders who decided to allow me to come on staff are still scratching their heads. What did we do? Why did we do that? It's one of those errors that have, that have major repercussions in your life for many, many years. I was born in London, England. For those of you who are marveling at my New Orleans accent, in 1943, in October, 76 years. Some of you were there. How many years? Been married almost... Well, this, what month is it? Ah, April. April, 52 years. To my lovely girl, Jean. Where is Jean? You stand up. Oh. Stand, stand up. Oh, she is standing. She is standing. Okay. We have one wonderful daughter and four monsters, my grandchildren. In fact, today is the 25th birthday of my oldest granddaughter, so this is a lovely day for us. We're going to be speaking this weekend about the most important event of your life. And we're going to speak about the work of the Holy Spirit in relation to this event. In fact, we will see that he is the one who creates this for us. Now, I know that if I were to ask each one, at least, especially out of the context of this meeting, what's the most important thing in your life? If you had to decide one thing that was the most critical, we may say my health. We may say something about my family. We may say a whatever. But we'll learn tonight that from the perspective of God himself and from the perspective of eternity, being born again is the most critical need that you have. For some of you, The Holy Spirit has already worked this work. 
and perhaps of others of you he has not yet done it. And so as we speak tonight, as I speak tonight, as you hear tonight, I want you to listen with two faculties. I want you to hear with the ears of your mind. You've been listening to Frank at Alpha for many weeks. And he has been sharing an enormous amount of information. And you've been listening and you've been learning. Tonight we're going to hone in on only the work of the Holy Spirit. But as we do this, listen with your mind. Ask God to give you understanding of what is being said. And then ask God to give you agreement with what is being said. And then... As you do that, listen to your feelings. Listen to your heart. Listen with your soul. Now, I might ask this. There have probably been several occasions for many of you that during Alpha when Frank was, or Keith were talking about a particular aspect of the work of God. That you felt something inside. You felt something inside. You felt an emotional response. You had an emotional response. You felt something stir inside of you. Now that wasn't the lasagna that we ate tonight. You do know it's lasagna is the name of the word. You've been missaying it all these years with lasagna. No, we're from New Orleans. It's lasagna. Laganappy. Lanyap. Oh, well. But you felt something. And I want to emphasize this tonight because the crux of what God is doing tonight is going to be in two areas. It's going to be in the in intellect, the mind, your understanding. Get it in your head. But then what God is telling us and instructing us that is getting into our heads, he is then going to permeate your soul, your feelings, so that the head knowledge and the soul experience can become one. And so if you've been listening at Alpha and the Holy, and you have been experiencing inside of you at certain times of the discussion or the presentation, perhaps when Frank was saying, who is Jesus? And you began to feel something inside of you. Why did Jesus die? And you began to be gripped on the inside of you. You began to be moved on the inside of you. I'm not going to ask for hands, but I know what happens. What is happening? The Holy Spirit is ministering to your heart. He's touching you. He's speaking to you. 
that feeling which is in agreement with the teaching of the word of God is the experience of God the Holy Spirit stirring your heart. And that's going to happen tonight. We always pray. And God has always answered, yes. That as we share what the Holy Spirit does, that he is going to be touching you. You see, because quite frankly, what you have been listening to at Alpha or if you've been at church here or whatever, you're not listening to Peter Davidson. You're not listening to a Frank Laurie or a Keith Collins. You are hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking. And that's what we want to emphasize tonight. It's not what this man says. Is what the Holy Spirit is doing in you as words come out of this man's mouth. Words, hopefully, that are inspired and empowered by the Spirit to change you. As he did and as he has done for many of us. You know who the Holy Spirit is. Frank has already shared this with you. We don't need to go into that. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, And the Holy Spirit dare say that all of us were raised in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're probably familiar with that terminology. But the ministry of the Spirit. The ministry of the Spirit primarily in my life is to initiate me or to bring me in or to birth me or you into God's kingdom. In other words, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to apply to our lives, the good or the result of the work of saving us, of Christ Jesus saving us in his death at the cross. Jesus died so we could have eternal life. And that life becomes ours personally only as the Holy Spirit gives it to us. And that activity of the Holy Spirit giving me eternal life is referenced in the Bible in several ways. But the way we want to emphasize tonight is with the words born again, which Jesus uses in John chapter 3. And so let me read this to you. Jesus has been ministering and one of the Teachers of Israel come to him. His name is Nicodemus. He's a teacher of Israel. And he sits with Jesus and he says, Rabbi, teacher, we know that you're from God because only someone from God could do and say what you're doing and saying. So we know you're from God. And Jesus immediately begins to say this to Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, is that in your notes? Hmm? You may answer. It's okay for you to answer me. I used to be a school teacher. I'm used to students saying things to me, nice things. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is what? Born again, he what? Cannot. Now, look, take your pen 
and circle or underline the word cannot. He can't. He just can't. It can't happen. You cannot be born again. I'm sorry, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless what? You're born again. Now, when Jesus says you cannot, Forrest, what does that mean? You can't. Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says to him, I'm not going to give him my experiences on the train about this being going back in your mother's womb. We actually got asked this question, this very question by a Russian who was in charge of the train that we were traveling. I think it was to, to, to uh, Toliati in 1993 or 4, Moscow, all right, back to Moscow. And he never heard all of all this. And when we told him this, this is the question he asked about being born again. He asked the same question. We all just sat there. Uh-oh. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he what? Are you following what I'm reading? What's the word again? Cannot. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So here's the most critical question. The answer to this question has to do with your eternal destiny. The answer to this question determines your eternal destiny destiny it's not a question about what church you go to it's not a question about whether you're trying to do a good life or not you've done a lot of good things not enough trying to weigh the scales whatever it has nothing to do with any of that the question is this have you been born again by the spirit of God if you have what does that mean You're going to heaven. You're already in the kingdom of God. If you have not been born again, you are not going to heaven, and you are not in the kingdom of God. (coughs) Truly, truly, I say to you, you cannot see the kingdom unless you're born again. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So tonight what we're going to do is this. We're going to talk about how to be born again. What is the activity of the Holy Spirit in birthing us into God's kingdom? And we're going to do this through three ways. We're going to talk about the work of the Spirit in wooing us. The work of the Spirit in, I'm sorry, warning us. The work of the Spirit in wooing us. And the work of the Spirit in what? Winning us. Warning, wooing and winning. So let me start with a warning. And you may say, well, that's a peculiar place to begin because I'd much rather say, start with this. You know, God loves you and you're whatever and so on. But you see, that doesn't come to the point of your need. The point of your need, the point of my need is this. I need to be warned of the greatest danger I am in. As a human being. 
So Paul says this to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, he says, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So what does being born again have to do with being unrighteous? It has everything to be to do with it. Because you see, the word unrighteous is a description by God of who we are before we're born again. Not righteous. God himself is righteous. Do you know what that means? In a very simple way, that means that God in himself, of himself, as to his own nature, as to his own character, as to the essence of his being, he is absolutely, totally, comprehensively, forever right. He's right. Everything that God does is right. Everything that God does not do is what? Right. Every thought that God has is right. Every action that God takes is right. Everything about God is absolutely right. And as a consequence, in order to be one with God relationally, in order to become part of his kingdom, of his family, we have to become right. We have to become righteous. And being born again is God's way of declaring us to be righteous. So if I said tonight, your only hope of going to heaven is to be as righteous as Jesus is righteous. See, because what we typically do is this. Well, I, don't, I, I think I'm going to heaven because, you know, he and I are friends. And compared to this guy, I'm not too bad. <laughs> now, compared to Frank, we're all going to suffer. But compared to Mark, hmm, it's okay. I have a chance because I know some of your stuff. You didn't know I knew that, did you? And you got stuff in your life, don't you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How many of us have stuff in our life? So what does that mean? Do you like the idea that in order to be accepted by God into heaven, you have to be as righteous as the Son of God himself? Now, In the natural realm, what's wrong with that? You would say, but that's... Come on, say it. Say it again. Say it again. I didn't hear it. Say it loud. I I like that. Impossible. Impossible. You have to be as righteous as the Son of God. If you're going into heaven. Why? Because God does not allow any unrighteousness, not even one aspect of it. Into his kingdom. Do you remember Genesis chapter 3? God has created Adam and Eve. They're perfect people without any sin. They're living in God's place in the Garden of Eden. And everything is according to the purpose and the, you know, the, uh, the, the way of God. Then what happened? 
In chapter 3, verse 6, the last three words of that verse, and he, Adam, ate. He did what? He disobeyed by eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God said, if you eat of that fruit, you, the day that you eat of it, you will what? Surely die. So Adam just took one bite. How many? Just one bite. One sin by one man, one time, brought death and destruction and contamination and pollution into the universe. Just one. Just one mistake. Just one sin. Just one. Just one. Why, Dan? Because any act, no matter what it is, of disobedience. And what do I mean when I say disobedience? Any act that is not a God-centered, God-motivated, God-produced act in me is sin. Because only God is righteous. Now, who has a chance? Who in this room has a chance on that basis? None of us. Paul says, don't you know that the unrighteous are not inheriting the kingdom of God? And so when we were born into this world, we were born as unrighteous. We were born with what is called, what, original sin. Have all of you heard of original sin? That means that all of us were born with natures of unrighteous people. You see, my sin only proves my unrighteousness. My sin does not create my unrighteousness. I am not unrighteous because I sin. I sin because I'm unrighteous. Do you do see that? We breathe because we're alive. Do you remember what Jesus says in John chapter 3 again? Remember those words, truly, truly, I say to you, that's a Hebrew or Aramaic phrase. It's an idiomatic phrase that means this is very important. Whenever Jesus says verily, verily, truly, truly, or I think there's a couple of other ways of saying it, it means this is very important. So what does he say? Truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born again. How many of you remember in school? I used to teach English. So you're in the class and we're talking about poems and rhyme schemes. Now you know how important that is. And you know how exciting onomatopoeia is. Right? I mean, we just get thrilled about that. And when the teacher talks about it, we want to take notes all over the place because this is the most astounding thing I, I, I ever have heard, and I want this. Right? <laughs> and so the teacher's waxing eloquent about poetry. And we're kind of with him a little bit and not with him. You know, we're kind of nonchalant. Anybody been there? 
then the teacher says those words. What are the words that he says to perk the whole class up? This is on the final. Oh, oh, I love poetry. Why don't you help me? And let's go over it again. Could you tell me a little? Slow down, teach. I need to have the, can you? I need to know. And all of a sudden, we become flaming enthusiasts about poetry. Why? 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 Do they do poetry where you're from? Yeah. You heard of poetry, huh, Ronnie? Yeah. But why, why, what changed your mind when he said final exam? Why was your mind changed? Why? 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 What is so important about the final exam? So what? It's just another test, isn't it? No, it's the test of tests. At the end of the year, I told the students, I said, I am going to give you, and I literally meant that, and I did do this. I'm going to give you the entire final exam several weeks before the end of the year. Oh, wow. Wow. Man, I wish I had a teacher like that. Don't you wish that? Give me the final exam. I'm going to have all the questions on it. But it's going to be an exam that is going to be comprehensive of everything we've learned in the class. Oh, it was pages long, covering all the grammar, the literature, the punctuation, and all that kind of stuff. Why did I do that? Because I knew that if they pass this test, they have grasped the fundamentals of ninth and 10th grade English. Or the vocabulary or the whatever that we were teaching. The final exam sums up and declares whether you're going to graduate. In fact, being born again is not only on the final exam, it is what? It is the final exam of God. And it's an exam that every one of us must take. And thems that pass the final, having been born again, graduate into God's heaven. And thems that don't pass the final exam do not graduate into heaven. Now, why are we warning? You see, we're warning because God loves us. Remember what John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Jesus is the Father's gift of love to us. There is no other demonstration of the love of God than what we see in the birth of this man in whom the Son of God dwells as a human being, who has given up the glories and wonders of heaven and has restricted himself, the infinite God restricting himself to finiteness, the all-powerful God restricting himself to weakness, the all-knowing God restricting himself to 
I don't know everything. The one has, who has full comprehens- comprehensive knowledge of everything and anything, of every possibility that there could be, and yet he doesn't know what is going to happen tomorrow unless his father tells him. The one who is self-existent and needs nothing outside of himself for his existence. And yet he comes as one who has to eat dinner. He has to take a bath. That's who this one is. And then, not only this, this is a calm down. But then, this man lives according to the righteous demands and requirements of the law of God. And he obeys and fulfills every ounce of obedience, declaring that he himself is righteous through his obedience. That this man is the very manifestation of, of the righteousness of God in a human being. And he has not sinned and he doesn't under, sorry, he doesn't experience any sin whatsoever. He is being tempted to sin, but he's not being tempted by sin. We are tempted to sin, but the problem is we're also being tempted what? By sin. Sin is not only on the outside of us knocking on our door, where is it also? It's on the inside of us tugging at my heart. And at my mind, correct? And then at the end of this time that God has declared, Jesus, willingly and with joy, Hebrews 12, 2, with joy, he willingly allows and accepts and even embraces the Father's decision To place on his own shoulders the full weight, the full penalty of all of the sin of all of his people for all time. He doesn't experience being a sinner. He becomes One who bears judicially the declaration that God declares him to be a sinner. He doesn't become a sinner. He is judicially declared to be a sinner. Because you see, the pure son of God cannot sin. He does not sin. He remains without sin. Yet, for this reason, he can take the full penalty of all that we have done as a human being, as a man, and carry it to the cross and pay the price of the penalty that we deserve. Every one of us, even having sinned just one time in our life, deserved the same penalty that was given to Adam in Genesis 2.17. In the day that you sin, rather than eat of it, you shall what? Surely die. In other words, you will die physically, but that's the least of it. You will die in relationship to God and you will wind up being condemned forever that's the warning why do we start off that way because you see in order to understand and appreciate the profundity 
the incredible, miraculous, amazing love of God. We have to first understand something about the degradation that we are and the degradation that Jesus took upon himself in order to save us. But you see, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall what? Not perish. And perish there has to do with eternal things. But has eternal life. And then in verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, wait a minute. Saved. Saved from what? Saved from the condemnation of Saved from the wrath of God. Saved from the punishment that is due us because of our sin. Being born again is the action of the Holy Spirit coming upon us and giving us eternal life to which we say yes by faith so that we are saved. So what happens? The Bible says this, for our sake, for our benefit, God made Christ to become sin. He declared him to become a sinner, declared him as a sinner. Jesus does not experience sin. He does not become literally a sinner as some people teach. That's not correct. He experiences the weight Or as it were, he is clothed with our sin, even himself being pure in himself. And because he's been clothed now with our sin, therefore he pays the full penalty of a sinner. And why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. So that we might become the righteousness of God. Well, you see, we get back to that word righteousness again. We've been warned that, don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Remember 1 Corinthians 6, 9. But what God has done is not told us if you're good enough. If you would hear and go through the church regulations and rites. If you try to do the best you can. If whatever, if whatever. No. The only way for you to become a child of God, to be entering the kingdom of God, is to be as righteous as the Son of God. And God does that at the cross. In the death of Jesus, God forgives his people. Why? Because Jesus has paid the price. If you are looking for forgiveness of God in any other place other than the shedding of the blood of Jesus, you are not only incorrect, you are insulting the Son of God and God the Father who sent him. Forgiveness is found in no other place. 
but in the shedding of the blood of that man on that cross at that time. That is a once for all work, never to be repeated. And for all of those who will become God's people, that is the reason we're born into the kingdom of God. Because Jesus has paid the price through the shedding of his blood. But not only has he forgiven us sin, but then God has done the second miraculous work that we needed. We needed to be forgiven. Forgiven. You've been bad. To be forgiven is now there's no condemnation because wrath has passed away, you see. Wrath has been put on Jesus rather than on me. He paid the wrath that I deserve so that I don't have to pay that wrath in myself. But then not only has the sin been forgiven, but then the second part of the requirement is necessary. As Jesus was declared unrighteous for my sake, we are now declared righteous in God's sight. And we are clothed by the Holy Spirit with the righteousness of the Son of God. Now, that doesn't mean that I am without sin, but the sin that I do commit, I have been forgiven. I continue to be forgiven. God forgives me. When God forgives us at the cross in Christ, he does this much forgiveness. The moment you're conceived, you're conceived in sin, the Bible says. Correct? Everybody got that? The moment you're conceived, at that moment, all the way over here to when you die. Now, how much of that is your life? How much of that is your life? How much of your life is left out? It's everything. That entire life, your entire life of sin is placed on the shoulders of Christ. And when he pays the price, and in John 19, 30 says, it is finished. What does it mean? Our entire life of sin is forgiven. His death is the full, final, and forever payment of absolutely every sin of our life. It's not that we won't be forgiven unless we do something. We have been forgiven at the cross. We've forgiven. First John 1 John 1.7, for the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from how much? Oh, unrighteousness. So that now, having been cleansed and forgiven, God now clothes us with the very righteousness of his own Son. And so now I have this robe, if you would, of righteousness, spiritually speaking, covering over my natural filth. You're going to see that in Luke 15. Where this boy filled with pig poop. You know what pig poop is. How does the father accept him into the house? Oh, maybe I shouldn't talk about this, Frank. They're supposed to get this. I'm sorry. Should I continue or not? 
The father doesn't say, up oh, before you come in, wash your feet. Doesn't say that. Take a bath, man. Get cleaned up, then you come in. He doesn't. He throws his own robe around the boy. He gives his son his own shoes. So that the boy on the inside... How many of us know that we still stink on the inside? Is seen and accepted and related to by the father as if he had never left home. That's good news. And with that news, the Holy Spirit is wooing us into the kingdom of God. He has warned us of the hellish consequences of our sin. He has told us we must be born again if you're going to experience the greatest love, the greatest freedom, the greatest grace, the greatest gift of all eternity. It's God's gift. Jesus is God's gift of love to us. And tonight by saying yes to Jesus... You are saying yes to the greatest gift and to the greatest giver of all eternity. There's nothing greater than this. And by doing so, you are forgiven. And God has declared you and now relates to you and sees you not as you haven't done anything wrong, but sees you as righteous. He still sees our unrighteousness. He still sees it. Some people preach that God can't see your sin. Well, of course he can. I will remember their sin no more against them, Jeremiah 31. In other words, when you sin now as a child of God, Henry, he isn't saying you're condemned. Because see, one sin, you're out. One sin, you're out. You're out. You're out. You're out. He doesn't do that. Because you see, sin is not just a little thing. Man, I had a bad thought then. I did something then. I stole something. I lusted after that. I... Sin is any and every activity that I do apart from the leading empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And how much of our life is consumed with apart from the Holy Spirit's ministry? How much? How much do we do every day and think every day and it's not the Holy Spirit leading? What, 90%, 95%? And we're going to predicate our eternal life and salvation to forgiveness on what we do. You're in trouble. Because you can't. That's why God must declare us as righteous. And then the Holy Spirit must begin to deal with the sin that is in us by conforming us to the very activity and reality of the righteous character and work of Christ. So it's like I have a new robe on and it's kind of big, kind of big. How many of you, when you had kids, bought their clothes a little bigger than what they needed? How many of you ever did that? Do you know what I mean? Why? Why did you do that? Because that you wanted them to do what? Grow into it, right? We have the robe of righteousness if we're born again. God is now by the Spirit causing us to grow into the it feeling more and more form fitted. It's feeling more and more what? I'm becoming more and more comfortable with it. It's 
the robe and me are becoming one in a more reality. That's the sanctification or the transformation work of the Spirit. But the saving work of the Spirit is to bring us into the kingdom because Jesus has paid the price. We are in the kingdom of God because of the death of Christ. And we receive that by faith. You see, this message is called the gospel. How many times have you heard Frank talk about the word gospel? Two? Or 22? Or 122? More like 122 times. The man keeps talking about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. How many of you in church remember this? This is the gospel. How many remember that? Right? We've seen it all over and over. This is the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is this good news. That a man has come. The man of God himself has come. The son of God as a man goes to the cross to pay the full price. The eternal price. To give us the everlasting love of God. For I have loved you, he says, with an everlasting love. So, can you lose the love of God? Well, you, the love of God really never begins. It is a constant. It is who he is. And when he draws you into himself, he is drawing you into that which is his own nature. And his love is ne- for us has never begun. It's always been. And it will never end because it's always been and it's a constant and he's eternal. So we hear the gospel, the good news that God has loved us this much. That the Son of God has endured on the cross the wrath of a holy God. That we should endure for eternity. But he endured it for our salvation. So that in his death, the curse, death, was paid for. So that in his resurrection, the curse over his people is lifted because their sins are forgiven and they are declared eternally. They are declared eternally. They are declared eternally righteous in Christ. That's the love of God wooing us. There was a husband and wife member of the church years ago. Bo and Evelyn, Mormon. Lovely couple. And Bo was in the hospital dying. And I went to see him one night and Evelyn was in there holding his hand. And he was kind of out of it. They'd given him morphine. And began to chat with us. And Evelyn, tell me about you and Bo. I don't know how long they've been married, 60 years. I said, tell me about you and Bo. Her eyes sparkled. Her eyes sparkled. You could see this lady's love for this man was as fresh and even more mature than when it began. She sparkled. And she says, you know... When I first saw Bo, I didn't like him. He was tall and skinny. 
And I didn't want a tall, skinny man. But you said, you know why I went with him? Because he had a car and I wanted to go places. <laughs> and in those days, not many people had a car. I mean, I, I grew up on Camp Street, Camp and Bellcastle, and there were only three or four cars in the neighborhood. And when you had a car in those days, you somebody. And the cars were about $650, $700 in those days. And still, ain't nobody could afford them. But she went with him because he what? Had a car. She just went with this tall, skinny guy just to go places. At least, you know, she's going places. I mean, that's all there is to it. Ah, but you see, there was something else going on. Because from Bo's perspective, he had an ulterior motive. Now, come on, man. How many of you, when you were first met this lady you're married to or were married to, and you saw her, you thought, I'm going to get her? I remember that day for me. I saw that girl, Jean Clement, and I said, ah, ah. And the wheels began to turn. Is this right for you? Oh, thank God it is. You're sitting very, very close here. And she has something in her hand. What is that? A pen that has a sharp point on it. And she's going to get her point across. Wayne, did you have your eyes locked on Suzanne? Oh, yeah. Ron, did you have your eyes locked on Flo? Tim, did you do that? Chris? You it. <laughs> Bo had thoughts. I want her to be my wife. I want her. So how does he accomplish this? I'll tell you what you do. I want you to be my wife. And if you'll polish my shoes and wash my clothes, you can come on in to be my wife. Right? <laughs> The first day old tree man said that to you, you've been down the street. Bye-bye, bye-bye, and see you later. This guy's crazy. You see, Bo didn't require Evelyn to start doing things for him in order for him to love her. He loved her first before she did anything or could do anything. Do you get this? We are not born again because we first love God. We are born again, the Bible says, because God first loved us. Somewhere in 1 John, somebody says that to somebody in chapter 4, verse 17, or somebody like that. You see, being born again is not my activity of doing something. Therefore, God comes a-running. Here I am. Whew, ha, 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 ha. That's not what happened. Bo does the running. Bo does the scheming. Bo does the presence. Bo does the sweet words. Bo does where we're going and what we're going to do. Bo does all that. That's Bo, Bo, Bo. Now, today's world is all upside down, but we're talking about normal times. <laughs> we're talking about normal times. This is the way it should be. I'm, I'm old, but this is the way it should be. 
A man reaches out to a woman as God has reached out to us, his bride. See why the devil's trying to turn it around. Don't you see that? Don't go with it, no matter what your world says. And something happened in Evelyn. His love, his care, his consideration, his gifts, his wanting her to be with him. His being with her. His searching for her. Not her searching for him. Right. Finally, the relationship came to the place when Bo said, Evelyn, what will you marry me? She's telling me these things. She said, he won my heart. His love reached out and enveloped her. And she intellectually knew about him. Certainly that's important. We have to intellectually know what God has done. But then the intellect was joined with the emotion of being loved and her heart, her soul responding. And all of a sudden in her, she's saying, I want to be married. I want to be married. But her wanting to be married is not why Bo married her. Our wanting to be saved is not why we got saved. Our wanting to be saved is the result of God loving us into his kingdom. Do you see that? It's not because we have done something, therefore God does something. It's because God does something, we feel and experience that work of God's love in me. And all I know is on the inside of me, I want, I want. And we think, well, I'm first in this. And if we would ask the ladies in this room who have experienced this, they will say, oh, the, my, my desire and yearning to be married isn't what caused that man to love me. Is it? Did this happen in your life? It didn't? Did you want to marry him because he loved you? Yeah. Whew. I'm going to this side of the room. She loved him. And it, she may have thought, I'm, I'm bringing him in. No, he's bringing you in. Do we see this? It's critical. If I'm bringing God in, I can kick him out. God's bringing me in. Knowing everything about my life. Every, every, everything. Everything about my life. And he brings me in. Because Jesus pays for it. Nothing's left out. The all-knowing God forgives everything he knows. And how much does he know? Everything. 
He even knows when you slip and slide. And the bow brings Evelyn into his life by his love, not because Evelyn is perfect. Not because she has it all together. In spite of all that, he knows her faults, frailties. He does it because he loves her. Do we get that? He loves her. His love is not based on something about and in her. It's based on in his own heart. He loves her to envelop all of her Strengths and failures and whatevers. Will you marry me? And Bo is wanting what answer? What answer? I'll marry you. But I've known you all my life. I've lived next door to you. You and I were raised together. I've known you all my life. We're raised knowing God in a particular way all our life, but we don't know him in a maritable way. She may have known Bo all, they live next door, I don't know, but let's say they did. Many people who live next door to one another get married. Does that mean they're married because they live next door and you're raised with a guy and you know more about him than his mama does because you've seen what he does when his mama's not looking? (laughs) You know more about the guy than, you know, but that doesn't marry you. Will you marry me? How come wash your dishes every day? I'm not looking for works. I'm not looking for what I am looking for. Your heart. Your feelings. Your emotion. Your commitment. You're giving yourself into me. You're embracing me as your leader. As your husband. As your covering. As your provider. As your protector. And I am going to give up my old name of sinner. And I'm going to take the new name of my husband as righteous. Right? Move your hand. What is your last name? That's your, that's your maiden name? What's your maiden name? What, was you, what were you born? What's your mama's daddy's name? Quivas. What? Quivas? Well, wait a minute. Your name has changed. Her name has changed. Why? Because when he, she said yes. Do you say angel, angel, how do you say it? What? Hmm? Angel? When she said yes to Angel, his name became her name. And his name remains her name. Even when she is not that nice in the morning. (laughs) Angel told me beforehand. (laughs) We obbled about it. (laughs) We have a new name. We're called sons of God. We're called the righteousness of God in Christ. Why? Because someone has paid the price. What answer was Bo wanting? Which one? Just one. Yes. And when she said yes, and the preacher says, 
will you, do you? And they say yes. He says yes. And the preacher says yes. I now, by the authority vested in me in the state of Louisiana as a minister of the gospel, declare you to be what? Husband and wife. The two shall become one. Genesis 2.24. And that which God has joined together, let no one ever separate. And they become united together, not physically, but relationally. And when we're born into the kingdom of God, because Jesus has paid the price for our forgiveness and for us to have a new name, the name of righteous, even though as a wife you still may act unrighteously. Right? Right, ladies? No? He's not even going to look that way because he knows if he does. Even though you act unrighteously, something what? Are you still married? Or does that divorce you and do you have to come back in and ask for your husband's forgiveness so you can be reinstated? Is that the way it is? No. Because the, a bond has been made. A declaration has been made, sealed, and declared by the judge. You're married. You're in Christ when you're born again. You see, being born again is not a religious activity. It is the response of the work of the Holy Spirit as described in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. When the Holy Spirit, I will give you a new heart. I will give you what? Take out the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. I'm going to take out your unrighteousness as to the way you are constituted. And I'm going to give you a new name, righteous. And even... even though you live in a body that is still going to sin, you're still going to be Jesus' bride. You still will remain the bride of Christ because he does not divorce his bride. He doesn't divorce you. Why? Because he knows that when he births you and marries you, he knows everything about you and what you will ever do. One day I'm printing. I, I own a printing company. And I'm standing there in the press room. That's the press. And the Lord says, isn't it wonderful how much I forgave you? And he said, I'll tell you something more wonderful. Knowing how much you would disobey. Knowing how much you would go wrong. Knowing how much sin you would commit. I still forgave you knowing that that's the love of God that's what God is calling you into tonight for those whom he is birthing into the kingdom if he's birthing you into the kingdom tonight you are feeling for the first time maybe for the second I don't know I've not understood this as much or maybe I have, but I'm now, I, this, I want this. What do you do? For Evelyn to have married Bo, she had to do something positive.
to say yes to Bo, but then she had to turn her back on her singleness. She had to say, my former way of life with that old name is no longer my life. I don't want it anymore. I want my new life with my new husband and his new name. Faith, repentance toward God, turning away from that which, I don't want that anymore. And faith in the Lord Jesus. Yes, Jesus. If you are feeling tonight that work, that emotion in you, it's, if you would, if you let me put it this way, it's Bo saying, marry me. Marry me. Not only for 50 years, but for eternity. Marry me. And what does he want from you? Not one thing other than your heart's yes. That's what he wants. Is that a work? No. There's no work. It's a heart, yes. The walk together comes after the marriage. Not in order to be married. The heart's yes causes that which Bo has desired to become Evelyn's. Is this what you want? And I say it that way. You notice I didn't say, you know, something. Is that what you want? Do you understand what has been said? And do you want this kind of forgiveness? Because... I don't know if anybody's told you or not, but this is a secret, so don't tell anybody this. We're all going to die. I'll be 76 years old in a couple of weeks. I ain't no spring chicken. I'm a sprung chicken. I don't know what, but I'm older. I'm older than I used to be. And every day I'm getting closer and closer to leaving this world. I understand that. But more than that, I'm getting closer and closer to being with him forevermore. I don't have a fear of that day because I know that I am his because he is mine. We have an assurance. We know him. But every day, you're getting closer to the inevitable day of standing in judgment before God. And the judgment is this. Are you righteous? As Christ. And how do you become as righteous as Christ? Being born into the kingdom. That's the giving of God's righteousness to us. And on that final exam, God opens the book of your life and looks on the page of your life from the moment you're conceived to the moment you leave this earth and he sees righteous. If he doesn't see righteous, You're not coming in. And you can't do anything about it because the doors of eternity are shut against any hope whatsoever and forever. It is over. No going back. Tonight is the night. I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to some of you, tonight I'm bringing you in. Jesus tonight is saying, will you marry me? And your response, if it's anything but a yes, 
He's going to say, no, that's not the reason I want you because you can do this and hide my shirts and cook my meals. No, it's because I love you and you love me. Do you want my love? Can you get out of your mind all the religious stuff you did? Can you get it out of your mind and put Jesus in the place? Because he did all the religious stuff for you that you could never do. So tonight we're going to pray. If you bow your heads, please. And this is what we're going to pray about. Tonight, God is bringing someone, or maybe more than someone, a few, which he typically does, into his kingdom. Tonight, you have heard and are hearing the voice of the Son of God, this wonderful God-man saying to you, and he calls you by name, will you marry me? And I will give you the joys of heaven and the riches of eternal life. Will you marry me? If your heart's desire, if you have a yes inside of you, yes. Then tonight what we're asking you to do, as Frank and Annette go over here near the doors, if you would just be brave and come up and stand with them, they're going to go pray. You know Frank and Annette, you know he's okay. And it's okay to do this. I remember when I did it. The most important decision of my life. Don't let the devil say to you, oh, here we go. Don't do it. Don't. Evelyn confessed Bo to be her husband publicly. And what a blessing of a life. So tonight, if the Spirit of God is saying to you, be married to Jesus, tonight's your night. Be married to him. We'll take a few moments to wait for you to get up and say, yes. Well, let me close this portion with prayer. And then what we'll do is take a quick potty break and come in, eat some dessert. And then maybe have a little Q&A if that's what you'd like to do. Father, Father, thank you that you always do what you promise to do. Father, we remember in Isaiah 55, verse 11, you said, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. It shall do what I want it to do, Father. These two who have come down tonight... Thank you for moving in them, Holy Spirit. Moving in them so that they would call upon you, for your word says that all who call upon the name of the Lord. But as Evelyn's call was to Bo, because Bo first called her by his love. Her call did not make Bo respond. She was the one responding to him. Father, minister to them greatly. Give them a full experience and assurance of their salvation. That they will come back as new people in Christ. Father, thank you for always meeting with us. Always ministering to us by your spirit. 
how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's have a short break. If you like some pie or whatever it is that they're going to be bringing in. And then we'll have a Q&A if you want to talk a little bit. If you don't, then we'll close and go home.